Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. We're following some new developments on Capitol Hill where Senate Democrats passed a $3.5 trillion budget resolution overnight. The Senate passed a $3.5 trillion budget resolution paving the way for the president's second phase of infrastructure spending. So the Senate passed this budget measure that's really an infrastructure measure. Right. Um, so you, Caitlin, Emma, are a budget reporter, but does that mean you're really an infrastructure reporter? <laughs> it does not. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. Or is it? Is it really something else? Um, now, this is Dispatch, and today... Uh, Democratic leaders are operating on this two-track legislative strategy where they're passing a bipartisan infrastructure package, and at the same time, they're moving what's known as a reconciliation bill. We're talking with budget reporter Caitlin Emma about the infrastructure and budget reconciliation measures that together add up to a whole lot of money and even more confusion. Okay, Caitlin, so the Senate passed these two big infrastructure-related things this week. One is a bipartisan bill. This includes a lot of stuff that we think of as like traditional physical infrastructure, stuff like roads, bridges, uh, funding for broadband, things like that. What exactly is this measure? This is a huge priority for the president. He has long stressed that, you know, much the (laughs) consternation of a lot of progressives in Congress that, you know, bipartisanship is not dead. I want to thank a group of senators, Democrats and Republicans. They said they're willing to work in a bipartisan manner. And I want to thank them for keeping their word. That's just what they did. He's really wanted to find a way to work with Republicans on this issue. Um, You know, we've been joking for a really long time about how it's infrastructure week (laughs) and all of that. Um, But it finally really is for real. Um, So basically, uh, this uh, bipartisan group of senators teamed up with the White House and they were able to get a $550 billion infrastructure package across the finish line. And, you know, a lot of folks would say it's not a perfect package. A lot of folks would say it, you know, invests too much in roads as opposed to high-speed rail or, you know, what have you. Um, but $550 billion is nothing to sneeze at, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's really notable that Republicans were able to get on board with this and and pass it. But, you know, that being said... The success of that package is ultimately tied to this other package that Democrats want to pass by themselves, and it will be a lot more expensive and probably a lot more complicated at the same time. Yeah, so I want to talk about that second package because it is kind of where things get complicated. This is the budget measure that that we were talking about. It was passed along party lines. Um, it, It is a budget measure, but... It is also uh, sort of an add-on to the infrastructure measure. How does that work? What exactly went down in the Senate with this this week? Right. So to sort of break it down in the simplest terms, um, what Democrats are using is the annual budget process, just Congress's annual budget process, as that is supposed to work. Um, And usually it doesn't work 
perfectly. But essentially what they did pass this week is called a budget resolution. And mm-hmm. typically that budget resolution will set, you know, overall government funding levels for the Pentagon and all the domestic federal agencies and a host of other things. And that's usually, usually where it stops. But because Congress is controlled by Democrats and the White House. They have this special tool at their disposal called reconciliation. And this is the process that lets the party in charge basically pass something without any support from the other party. Like it's filibuster proof. It lets you pass something in the Senate with just 50 votes, not 60 that you usually need. Right. Republicans use the same tool in 2017 to pass their Um, you know, big package of tax cuts. Mm -hmm. So this has been deployed by, you know, the majority party many times. So they are using it again uh, this year. They used it earlier this year to pass the president's pandemic relief package. They're using it again now to pass, you know, a multi-trillion dollar domestic spending bill that includes a lot. It includes major investments in childcare, major healthcare expansions. It's sort of this catch-all for like, all the investments that, you know, the president and Democrats want to make and that they'll never get Republican support uh, to pass in Congress. So what they passed this week, this budget resolution, uh, essentially unlocks this process, right? So they pass this measure and by doing so, it says to, you know, a host of Senate uh, committees to go ahead, start writing this bill, hmm. start pulling it together. And it gives them a deadline soft deadline of September 15th to pull all those different pieces of the bill together. So once that comes together, you have a final reconciliation bill. And that also has to be passed by both the House and Senate. So really, the budget resolution that was passed by the Senate this week is the first step in this process. And it sort of serves, I guess, as like a set of instructions in order to create this final domestic spending bill. Okay, so we have... The bipartisan bill, which is like a normal bill that we'd usually think of, passed by one chamber, needs to get passed by another. And that one is is the physical infrastructure stuff, $550 billion for that. And then we have this other thing that's the beginning of a wacky process. It's not really a bill that's written yet. It's just the start of it. But Democrats are hopeful in it they'll be able to include the social end of their infrastructure plan that we've heard about, what some people call human infrastructure? Right. You know, it's a sweeping sort of set of instructions and gives each sort of Senate committee like a set amount of money to work with. And, you know, those instructions so far include um, expanding Medicare to include vision and hearing and dental benefits for seniors, which was a big priority for Senate Budget Chair Bernie Sanders. Um, It tells senators to, you know, go ahead and find a way to expand Medicaid to people in red states where lawmakers there have not expanded Medicaid. So major health expansion, Mm -hmm. major investments in climate change, major investments in child care, just telling all these Senate committees to go ahead and draft a raft of policies that will make this final bill. Uh, That being said... Everything that gets drafted won't necessarily survive this process. Um, There are pretty strict guidelines around the reconciliation process. One big priority that could fall victim to that is finding a legal uh, pathway to citizenship for undocumented immigrants. This is a big priority for Democrats, and the budget resolution tells the Senate Judiciary Committee to, you know, go ahead, start crafting that policy. Mm. 
But that being said, there are these rules, you know, really restrict what can be included in budget reconciliation. And not to get too much into it, but, you know, you essentially have to be be able to demonstrate that you're affecting federal spending or revenues or the debt in a pretty significant way. And if a policy isn't doing that, then it's kind of considered like not germane to this reconciliation process. So the person who decides what goes and what stays is the Senate parliamentarian. And that is an unelected official who is sort of like the Senate's rules referee. And she'll be deciding like, okay, does immigration reform belong in reconciliation or does it not? So all of this stuff will, you know, shake out in the next few weeks and it'll be really interesting to watch. Hmm. But Democrats in the end will at least be able to try to put basically anything they want in this without Republican support. Exactly. This is why this is an attractive process for the party, um, you know, that currently holds the majority because they don't need the minority party's support in order to get this done. But caveat there, um, Democrats have such a narrow majority in the Senate um, that they cannot afford to lose one member. So that means you have to balance folks like Senator Bernie Sanders against moderates like, you know, Senator uh, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema. Mm-hmm. Manchin and Sinema have already said uh, they're not comfortable with the tentative price tag for this final package, essentially the budget resolution that was passed by the Senate this week sets a ceiling of about $3.5 trillion in spending. Um, that can be changed as this process moves forward. And both of them have said, like, yeah, that's going to have to come down. Um, and that's going to be a big problem for like progressives in the House who think like this is the time to go big why are we holding back? You know what I mean? Mm. So um, it'll be kind of a tightrope for Democrats to walk, even though they have this process at their disposal. It's not perfect. And there are going to be a lot of different, you know, personalities to satisfy. So what will ultimately probably happen here? You have one bill that I assume will like just sort of pass like a normal one would, like it's been passed by the Senate. It'll be passed by the House and then signed by Biden. Then you have another that has this complicated process. Where do you think we'll be in, I don't know, a few weeks or a couple months? That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Currently, we're in this very weird moment where the success of these two bills is tied together. Uh, And that's really because House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said, I'm not going to pass the bipartisan infrastructure package that passed the Senate. Like she is not going to move that $550 billion bill unless and until the Senate passes this reconciliation package until that crosses the finish line. So that is, you know, really angering a lot of um, moderates and Republicans who are, you know, saying, like, what gives? Why would you hold this up? This was a, you know, a labor of bipartisanship that took months and months and months. Um, You know, you can't hold it hostage. But, you know, there's a real push from progressives to not do one without the other so that, you know, either we're all going to fail together or we're all going to be successful together. Caitlin, Emma, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Also today, 
The nation's largest teachers' union is backing vaccine mandates. On Thursday, the National Education Association endorsed COVID vaccine requirements for its three million members, aligning itself with the Biden administration. The move comes as the second largest teachers' union, the American Federation of Teachers, which has roughly 1.7 million members, stopped short of fully endorsing requirements. Union officials instead voted to encourage workers to negotiate potential mandates with local governments and school systems. And top Biden advisor Anita Dunn is leaving the White House. Dunn told Politico that her time at the White House was wrapping up on Thursday, confirming news first reported by Axios. She had stayed in the senior advisor post longer than expected. She was by Biden's side through his campaign and was pivotal in the early days of his presidency as he constructed his administration. Dunn plans to still play a key role as an outside advisor to Biden, similar to how she served during the Obama administration. Today's episode included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Politico Dispatch team includes senior editor Raghu Manavalan, senior producer Jenny Ament, and executive producer Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.